Welcome to the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. I'm Ryan Sanderson, and every week I lead you through the world of Alberta barbecue and beyond, bringing you stories of the amazing people in and around the barbecue culture. This podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen in. I appreciate the gift of your time, and I hope I can entertain you for a little bit. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe on your favorite podcatcher, and I'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. And now, on with this week's show. Hello, Eat More Barbecue family, and thank you for tuning in. This is episode number 140 of Canada's longest-running barbecue podcast. I am beyond excited about this week's guest. As I mentioned during our conversation, there are two moments in my barbecue journey that really stand out for me. The first was when my wife bought me the book Peace, Love, and Barbecue by Mike and Amy Mills. Reading that book is what got me interested in the barbecue culture in the first place. The second moment was during my first trip to Houston about seven years ago. I had found the Texas Monthly list of the top barbecue joints in the state and decided to take a Saturday drive out to Taylor, Texas. I still vividly remember walking into the Cathedral of Smoke, getting up to the counter to order and being given that sample of brisket. Like it has for countless others, that moment inspired me to try and recreate what I had just tasted once I got back home. I'm not there yet, really not even close, but my two subsequent visits back to Louis Mueller Barbecue keep me trying. Third generation owner and pitmaster Wayne Mueller is my guest this week. Are you thinking of starting a podcast to help build your personal or business brand, but don't know how to get started? Eat More Barbecue Digital Media can help you with consulting, recording, voice work, or full production. Contact us at eatmorebarbecue at gmail.com for more information. Stay tuned after the conversation with Wayne Mueller for the monthly Alberta Podcast Network member spotlight featuring Press Start to Join. This segment of the Eat More Barbecue podcast is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta. Offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. Park Power has low overhead, which in turn allows them to offer low competitive rates. Reach out for a no-obligation comparison by emailing estimates at parkpower.ca. If you decide to switch it, it's easy. It's really just a change to your billing and you can feel good knowing that you're helping to give back to our communities with your utilities bill. Learn more at parkpower.ca. I've been uh, giving it some thought over the last couple of days uh, how to introduce my guest this week and it occurred to me this morning as I was driving to work thinking about it that he he really does not require any introduction. So with that said, I'm just going to say hello to... Uh, Wayne Mueller from Louis Mueller Barbecue in Taylor, Texas. Uh, Wayne, welcome to the show. How are you, Brian? Thanks for having me. Uh, things are good. We're you know we've hunkered down for a week. Yeah, closed up shop for a week, mostly because we couldn't get staff or, or guests out to the store. But right, um, things are okay, man. Thanks for having me on. No, this is a, 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 an honor and a pleasure for me. And uh, it's funny talking about it uh, in my. My barbecue life, I guess, as short as it's been, kind of two main moments for me. Uh, the first was when my wife got me Mike Mills and Amy Mills's book, Peace, Love, and Barbecue, and that really set me off on the journey. And the second big moment, and Facebook actually reminded me this morning that it was seven years ago today, was my first visit to Louis Mueller. And uh, a story I've heard a few other people tell, say, and I've, I'm sure you've heard it way more than I have, is... Uh, Getting up to that counter and getting that first little taste of uh, a Louis Mueller brisket, and uh, 
it uh, you know maybe a little much to say it's life changing, but it uh, certainly set me off on a journey. Uh, so uh, thank you for that, and uh, it, this is really a, a big thing for me to have you on here and talk to you. Like I said when we started emailing, I'd hope to one day uh, and hopefully will one day in the near future get down there back down there again to meet you and sit down in person and maybe do this, but. Given the COVID climate, uh, th- this is the next best thing. So, um, for folks that aren't familiar with you, uh, a little bit about yourself, Wayne. Well, I am Wayne Miller, third generation owner, pit master of Lou Miller Barbecue in Taylor, Texas. Taylor's central Texas, half an hour northeast of Austin. Mm-hmm. We've been in, in business creating barbecues since 1946. We became a business, an actual barbecue business in 1949. We began as an adjunct, um, really, project from my grandfather's meat market. Right. Many Central Texas meat markets followed similar suits. Nothing, you know, nothing was wasted, nothing left to want. Mm-hmm. So anything out of the meat counter that may be on, on the path to spoilage, before, before it made it down to its end, destination yeah found its way on over some heat on a grill and it could be steak it could be chicken it could be fish Mm -hmm. there's a lot of sausage yeah um and larger cuts uh, which sort of um, found their ways like shoulder shoulder clod was a big thing but mostly beef mostly beef in the early days yeah we had a lot of it around and in that area Um, sorry go ahead yeah and, and and right and so unlike um Say our our southern brethren, who were who were cooking, you know, shoulders as well, but they were cooking a totally different protein. We were really bovine centric right. here. Um, the meat market, as most Central Europeans who settled this area, um, they had their own meat markets. They had their own grocery stores. They cooked a lot of sausage. They mm-hmm. made a lot of sausage, and so that that tradition has carried on through. To us today, we still make our own sausage in-house. Our, our menu hasn't changed a lot since we moved into our current establishment in 1959. Brisket became sort of the calling card for Texas-style barbecue. It replaced clod, had a little more um, cover fat. Uh, the top pectoral has a bit more marbling. It's a more consistent cut. Mm-hmm. It was still mostly just grind or, or Seder meals. Yeah. You know? But... Um, that hasn't really changed. The only thing that's, I think, so brisket and sausage were, were the mainstays from the late 50s on. Right. The only thing that's really come and taking another chair at that table would be beef ribs. Right. In particular, beef plate ribs. Yep. But um, we are still beef-centric. We do serve you know, some poultry. We serve some pork. But if you're coming to Louis Miller, chances are you're coming for brisket, beef, ribs, and sausage. Yep. You know? And so that much of, of our identity is still holy and intact, as is, the, as is the restaurant and the longevity and tradition of being in that old gymnasium mm-hmm. been around over 100 years. You know? Yeah, it's pretty, uh, quite the building. Pretty wacky place. Yeah. You don't see many places like that. And I, and I will tell you, you know, there's not many of them left. Mm-hmm. I, I would highly recommend anyone who still has it in them to, to take a barbecue crawl now and again. Yep. Go visit some of these smaller old towns. Uh, if you want to know what Central Texas or meat market style barbecue is, 
go to places like Luling and Lano and Lockhart, go to places like Taylor, mm-hmm. and you're going to find some of those old establishments still around doing it for, you know, the same way they've been doing it for 60, 70, 80, 100 years. Yeah. But when, but when they go away, they go away. They yeah. They don't come back. Yeah, it's uh, so, the, kind of the sad fat, sad fact of it, isn't it? it? It truly is. But, you know, it's understandable because these were, you know, this was peasant food. Mm-hmm. And once... And once the once the price of, of real estate in the downtown space started to grow with the cities, mm-hmm. the tax base started to grow, and unfortunately, the barbecue restaurants in in larger urban areas couldn't make it in inside the city. Yeah, they just couldn't follow the tax base. They just their margins are too low, so they were left relegated out to these satellite small towns. Yeah, around Austin is is no different. That's mm-hmm. sort of our hub. Yeah, you know Austin's the son of our universe in a way. That's right, and we all sort of, you know, we take our orbit around it, and uh, we've, you know, we all have our own distinct style. But what makes it all, I think, very similar is that we're all using post oak. We all use salt pepper primarily. We're all beef centric. We're all cooking in offsets, and and we do it, you know, in our our own family sort of way. Yeah. But they all follow, you know, that simple, those simple premises. Yep. And um, it's been one of the, I think, best kept secrets in barbecue up until, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. No, that's, sure. uh, that's just, uh, it's awesome. Uh, there's kind of a legacy of barbecue cooks that have come through the Louis Mueller business as well, right? There's been a, yes, we've been a few. I think we've had... You know, directly, we've had a handful of people. I've I've traveled overseas. I've mm-hmm. traveled to Japan. I've traveled to Europe, and we have acolytes and disciples and yeah. and churches planted all over the planet. We've been in Australia teaching. We've we've been in quite a number of places, but it's my father and his era mm-hmm. were very close to the vest about everything they did. Right. They didn't share secrets of any kind. Uh, when my father passed away, I, the writing was on the wall for this massive explosion and expansion of Texas-style barbecue out into the marketplace. Right, and you're left with a couple. You're left with a couple of options. If you have a, if you're deep in capital, then you can do this on your own, and you can just plant locations anywhere and everywhere you would like. If you're short in capital, the next best thing you can do is teach. All right. And so I was short in capital. So <laughs> I did exactly what my father you know, would never do. <clears throat> and that is to go out and teach people to do what we do. Because in all honesty, if it was a race, who, what is going to be considered real Texas, authentic Texas barbecue? Well, mm-hmm. there's multiple variants or branches off of that tree. Yeah. Um, I wanted ours to be in, mentioned right. and when people were having that conversation. At least our, our style, our, our uh, process, our flavor profile. Yep. So I went out and just started teaching people. I consult a lot of people as well, but it really started out by, you know, I'm just giving this away. Yep. I want people to know about it. Yep. And it opened a lot of doors. And so a lot of people have, have been influenced. And mm-hmm. there have been, I would say, exponentially more people have been influenced and put on their barbecue journeys, though. By just coming in to have a, share a visit, share a memory, an event, a, an experience 
of their own with yep. us, their own personal journey. That has set a lot of people on their path. Yeah. Um, and really, I think, helped open their eyes to what Texas barbecue was and could be mm-hmm. instead of, say, not to denigrate anyone, but say strip mall barbecue. Sure. Where the craftsmanship has somewhat been removed and replaced with a level of consistency that everyone uh, can live with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not the, the not the same. Yeah. Not the same. Yeah. Similar, but not the same. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, so we're, you know, it is what it is. Doing we're, your thing. We're, we're doing our thing. And yep. um, I think it was 2015, 2015 or so, um, Fox News came out with the list of top 20, top 15 most influential people in, in barbecue in America. Okay. The top three were um, Aaron Franklin um, was uh, Myron Mixon was number right. three. Okay. And uh, who was the producer for um, bar- Barbecue Pitmasters. Okay. John John Marcus. Right. Okay. Those, yeah. So so all three of these gentlemen were on Barbecue Pitmasters. Right. Essentially. Yeah. Or, or produced it. So they yep. were the top three. Uh, the next the next tier was non TV personalities and Louis Miller and, and and me, my father, my grandfather. So we came in as that next level of yep. of, of influence nationally, internationally. It's a weird thing to see that. Yeah. But. Um, I don't want people to forget my father. I don't want people to forget my grandfather. Right. They sacrificed a lot. They worked really hard. They developed and influenced just how things are done. Mm-hmm. So uh, they deserve so much credit, way more than anything that I've ever done. Right. For sure. Now, and I've heard, kind of heard you talk about that you kind of learned the craft from your dad, from Bobby. How how well did you know your grandfather? Or did you? I don't know the, the time. Oh, sure. Yeah. I I knew my grandfather well. Yeah. Um, my grandfather gave up the restaurant and had my father take it over in 1974. Okay. So I was eight, about to be nine, and I started working in the restaurant at the same time. Okay. Family package. Working, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I was I was working for sure. I was yeah. I was, but I wasn't cooking any meats. I was. Cleaning tables, sweeping sure. floors, taking out trash, yep. cleaning bathrooms, washing dishes, mm-hmm. all, all, all the uh, high-profile yeah, positions absolutely. And, and activities. Yeah, And I was a, you know, I was a, a, a true apprentice because you didn't touch a lot of things. You watched, mm-hmm. you listened. Um, it was years before you actually had an opportunity to, to be invited to participate yep. um, other than be a gopher. But I did. My father he he thought I could I could handle twisting sausage at an early age, so around okay. nine. I guess yep. it was about nine. Um, he'd stack up some some coke wooden coke crates for me to stand on, so yep. I could reach over the the backsplash of the table, put some tape down, and said, "Okay, they're supposed to be this long. Yep. Now make sure they're this long." Yeah. And he marked the tape for me, and that was my job. I was twisting sausage at an early age. Yep. Um, and over the years, you know, I worked in the restaurant 
until I left for college. Mm-hmm. I worked at a, I had other jobs too, but yeah, you know this the uh, the restaurant I couldn't get away from fully. I, they let me step away a yep. little, yep, uh, so that I could have some, I guess, some diversity of experience. Mm-hmm. But but they're like, no, we need you here on weekends. We need you here on Saturdays in particular. Yep. Sometimes after after school, so whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I spent a lot of time watching and listening, and I, I liken my experience to. Um, I do. I there's two. There's there's sort of two um, organizational orbits. I, I sort of use as, as similes when I talk barbecue. One of them is sports. Uh, the other is is religion. Mm-hmm. Because I, I feel that the people that our guests are our patrons, uh, they fall into these sort of categories. There's there's an emotional component that that really. Um, touches people um, in a spiritual way. It doesn't happen to everybody, but it does happen to some. Mm-hmm. And and they and they become these true acolytes, these missionaries. Um, and but the gen, more of the general public, uh, especially those who want to who want to learn to do what we do or be knowledgeable in what we do, um, want to be an a Monday morning quarterback, if you will, they have more of, of the fanatic side to them. Uh, they'll dabble in it. They may have done a few things with it before, but they leave the professionals to what's going on in the field and they love to go eat it. Yeah. Right. So uh, the, you have these two groups and, but there's a lot of emotion that is attached to both groups. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that one of the greatest one of the greatest steps forward for our industry has been in the last 10 years by making Texas barbecue and barbecue in general a mainstream dining option. Absolutely. It hasn't really been there. It's been more like special events food, yep. large communal foods, you know, when celebrations, uh, family gatherings. Good and 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 sad, mm-hmm. melancholy and, and celebratory. Yeah. Uh, the when you're trying to feed a lot of people, barbecue seemed to fit the bill. Yeah. Right. Uh, but now it's it's sort of shaken that mold, and people now realize, hey, you know, we can we can do this a couple times a month. We can yeah. do this once a week, just as much as we do anything else. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, have to be a been, special thing, right? It's just part no, of no, and that's it's been a it's been a big change because it means now, you know, for us it meant we have more people coming in from all directions, not just people, the local farmers, right. and ranchers, and blue collar uh, locals, mm-hmm. and it kind of spun out of control over over the last you know twenty five years, thirty yeah. years. It's no it's no kidding. I mean, you get. You grow outside of your your local bubble, mm-hmm. right? And you become more of a regional thing, maybe an area, then regional, statewide, and then you know national. And when those things happen, people start traveling further and further. The food network then just opens the door, splits it wide open, and says, "Hey, you're looking for places to go that you don't, you know? Yeah. Why don't you just check some of these places out, you know? And now you're on the map in a way that." Um, say Jane and Michael Stern with their road food mm-hmm. um, series 
couldn't do because it, it was black and white. Right. It was in print. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't even. It was some stills, but it wasn't video. Yeah. Video changed the game for everybody, and yeah. everybody in barbecue now is benefiting from you know, that release absolutely that the food that the food network brought to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the internet kind of took that and multiplied it, right? Oh sure, because one feeds off of the other. Yeah. I mean, you still have this core group of people who found who see most of what they know about middle America dining, eating options, things that are outside of their local area that they typically don't travel outside of they don't know much about mm-hmm. they're not maybe that adventurous unless they're being pointed in a specific direction those individuals now have roadmaps yep and they come and when they do they come whenever there's a showing of us on TV right. and you know now you have this influx and over this period of time 25 30 years we've become we've sort of become like a Disneyland of barbecue yeah as weird as it is, most of our most of our base is outside of a ten mile radius of Taylor. Yeah, it's not the locals that we. I mean, that's less than five percent of our our traffic. Yeah, wow. How does that is to believe? Um, but barbecue is just one of those weird things. You know, I guess if you stick around long enough, it happens to just about anybody. Right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, and then you get the the Texas monthlies and the Daniel Vaughns and uh, it just. All of those uh, tex- you can't say enough about all of the editorial, mm-hmm. all of the content that that we've become both in terms of written, audible, and and video uh, story presentation. Yep, that people can learn about us. Just find out who we are, what we do. Uh, find our story at least compelling enough that if they're in the area, they want to come check it out. Well, and honestly, that's how I, that first visit of mine seven years ago, I was in Houston for work and I had a weekend and I went on, went on Texas monthly and started looking and you guys were right at the top of the list and figured, well, that's a decent little uh, road trip from Houston. Let's go on Saturday and uh, here we go. Right. So, you know, but there's now there's so, there's so many little spots along the way. There really are. Yeah. Houston at that time was just, just getting their act together. But of all the uh, outside of Austin, mm-hmm. the city that really embraced the the whole Texas barbecue niche has been Houston. Yeah, Dallas Fort Worth of all the places you would think. Being a Texan, I would have thought. Yeah, they would have embraced it more than they have. Yeah, and it's not that they haven't; they don't have places because all of these cities have had places mm-hmm. for a long time. They have just been of let's say an older school mentality where it was really about taking the cheapest cuts you could find doing your absolute best to make them edible mm-hmm. if not somewhat scrumptious so that you could have repeat clientele but you you don't have to pay much for that it's economical right. yeah right but it has evolved long past that now. i mean mm-hmm. most places that you talk to now are, are serving prime beef yeah right yeah and and if they're not they're having a hard time with it because they're not sure exactly how to cook it yeah to keep most of the fat in but but that's how far we've traveled Mm -hmm. from we can either grind this and make hamburger out of it or we can find a way to cook it in a different way and maybe make a few more dollars off of it yeah to now we all have to cook it with this 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 grade of beef Mm -hmm. otherwise we don't make mustard yeah 
Yeah, you tough. Right? You can't compete anymore. It's hard to compete. So yeah. it's it. You can't. Nothing is economical about what we do anymore. It's yeah. very labor intensive. The the products we use are also expensive. Mm-hmm. They're high end products. The what has happened is peasant food has has gone. You know, fine china and and gold flatware. Yeah. And there's a part of me that just is kind of like. Damn, yeah. because that it takes you away from your roots. It takes you to the masses, mm-hmm. for sure, but it takes you a bit away from where you started and how you came to be and what it is, what your history dictates that you should be doing. Right. Um, it's been an evolution. That being said, it's the omnivores that survive cataclysms, mm-hmm. right? Those with these special specialty diets never last you know <laughs> yeah the koala bears are done should mm-hmm. eucalyptus ever go That's away right. yeah you know? yeah so leave it to the pigs the pigs will eat anything and everything yeah goats the same way yeah so I, there's something to be said about a lot of that and i think even beef mm-hmm. if you think about the specialization of beef and how americans how americanized beef has become and when i say americanized when people t- taste a steak or some beef, U.S. Uh, USDA grade beef. It is. It's been raised. It's between you know, twenty four, twenty eight, thirty, maybe up to thirty six months old. Yep. Not very old because it starts getting tough. Mm-hmm. All the growth hormones, in particular, there's they're set out in feedlots. They eat a lot of corn. They have a certain sweetness in the, the in that the fat retains. Mm-hmm. And we all have sort of geared our taste buds toward this, you know, it's that, it's an underlying sugar that we, we don't like to talk about and act like it's not there because yep. we don't put it in our rub, but it's there. Yeah. It's absolutely there yep. uh, that you don't get necessarily in pork or chicken or, or any other red meats, lamb mm-hmm. in particular. Uh, and we've gotten away from a certain sort of gamey taste that you would find from just natural foraging right from animals, just natural foraging, mm-hmm. Right. So we, we wouldn't do so well. I mean, this is why American beef is, is when Texas style barbecue is being exported to Europe in particular, yeah. they're looking for American beef. They're looking for Angus beef and they're looking for corn fed beef, mm-hmm. even more than just grass fed. Right. You have the added benefit of more fat, more cover fat as yeah. well, but there's a taste profile that they're really looking for as well. So, you know, this cow has become so specialized, you know, the, the, this black Angus and it, and all of its different registered marks. Yep. You know, there's probably close to 90 different black Angus programs. Right. Different brands. And, and, yeah. But they all are very similar in the way they're raised and how they're, you know, and and so something happens to that industry mm-hmm. and it, it can just literally, it can take out an entire industry. Yeah. If you know, people will just have to be turned off to completely. I think that the pork world, the pork world has, a, I think much less, um, much less volatility risk. Okay. Taste volatility risk because that protein pigs will still just eat, everything right yeah it just doesn't matter 
they still, mm-hmm. they're eating whatever they throw out there. Yeah. So the, the flavor of, of, of porcine is, it, it hasn't really changed that much other than, you know, the pork council doing their damnedest from the 90s on to, to reduce the amount of fat yeah. that's, that's in a whole carcass, which I think they brought out is somewhere near 30% reduction. Wow. That's a lot. Yep. That's why it can become the other white meat. That's mm-hmm. how it can be run as, as lean. Yep. And, um, but the, t- the flavor of it hasn't changed a whole lot, which yeah. is pork. It doesn't, there's not a, it's more of a texture medium than it is of a, a flavor, robust sort of yeah. flavor, flavor pl- placeholder. Yeah. The texture um, and whatever you're seasoning it with, whatever you're using, cooking it with, right. You right. get those flavors. It takes, uh, that's what, which yeah. is why sauce is so important, yeah. right? Yeah, for for pork and for chicken too. Mm-hmm. So um, our world is is so different, and it's it's you know it's evolved parallel to to the rest of of the pork world. Yeah, it, under a veil mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah, well, it's interesting uh, you talk about beef uh, being up here in Alberta. We're certainly known for our beef as well, Alberta beef, and. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's a big part of our industry, but you know, lots of pork and up here as well. So, yeah. Well, you know, if, I'm I'm waiting for the for the first um, lab raised brisket. I've heard uh, about that. There, well, I mean, all organs are now, and yeah. all you know, meat muscles are, are mm-hmm. looking at being raised independent of an animal. Yeah, just with a, a comp, with a lattice work. Yep. It sort of builds the muscle tissue and around it and mm. builds it out that way. Yeah. I don't know what I think about any of this, but you know, I think there'll always all be I a, can say, all yeah. I can, all I can say is this is, this is where we are today mm-hmm. and this is where our history has, has originated from. And for me, I think I look at, I look at um, maybe the traditional aspect of what we do along with the traditional aspects of what, say, Sam Jones does. Right. You know, he's got a burn barrel. He's got wood that he's burning down into coals, and then he's shoveling coals to cook these hogs. Yeah. Right? Well, the thing that we all have in common is the fire. Hmm not necessarily the cooking methodology or the apparatus used or even the proteins yep. we have in common is the fire. So if we're stepping backwards to find that common denominator, I think we can take another step backwards and show a common denominator, not only between types of barbecue, but all types of cooked foods, meats in particular. Yep. Take another step back and you can see how fire was sort of this binding agent, not only for the town, but for the family, the mm-hmm. hearth was the most important thing in the family. It's where you where you ate, it protected you at night, it gave extended your day, allowed you to have philosophical thought instead of just cutting, you know, cutting the day off once the night nighttime came. Right. Um, there's protection, um, cooking food better for your brain, uh, easier to digest. I there, I would make the argument then that. Going back to our our first premise that fire fire is is the one and fire probably for the, our earliest peoples was one of those godlike 
entities that could just appear out of nothing. Mm -hmm. It consumed, it lived. It sometimes was your friend and sometimes your mortal enemy. It was good and evil all at the same time. I would say that fire... Fire domesticated man. It wasn't the other way around. Yep. We fire pre predates man. Man stumbles across it and sees all of its magical properties. Mm-hmm. And it was those magical properties given to man through fire that allowed us that allowed really a civilization to form. Mm-hmm. Groups of people to form. Yep. Not just, and we're just in some way. We're we're like the Circus Maximus. If you if, if you look at the Roman Empire, the Circus Maximus um, held chariot races. It held some gladiatorial games. The theaters had the gladiatorial games, mm-hmm. um, but they were all entertainment. And what's left of of these games, you can still be find still be found in Spain in Running of the Bulls. Sure, right. What we're doing and the way we're cooking is sort of these last branch remnants of this domestication of man from, you know, 50,000 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. We're the last, we're the last, the last tenants of, of a very long tail. Mm-hmm. And um, I, 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 I don't think it'll be a good thing if, if and when. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. We stop using fire as as um, a means of gathering, as a means of sharing. Mm-hmm. When everything becomes clean and confined and isolated and controlled, yep. uh, that spirit is gone, and I think some of that spirit is us mm-hmm. and i think we'll lose something when that goes away and it, it like all things eventually that will go away yeah it won't be used anymore people won't cook that way anymore they'll find a million other ways to cook yeah i mean look at traeger grills exactly yeah that's a great example of what's an evolution mm-hmm. of how we're you they're utilizing fire in a completely different way yep um they're controlled it they've minimized variants on cooking temperatures they've made an outdoor oven using wood pellets yep. instead of just natural gas yeah absolutely yeah and and i hold nothing against Traeger. I, I think you know it gives people at home who you know who don't have the time and yeah. energy and effort to put into learning this they have an opportunity to participate in it absolutely. but i think at the same time it's a sterilization of of our of the heart of what we do mm-hmm. and the losing of the heart essentially you, you know yeah you lose the essence of the being so a question i've uh, been asking everyone lately and you've kind of i think you've almost answered it but i'll just ask it directly uh, wayne what does barbecue mean to you for me Barbecue is just an extension of a way of life. You know, Mike Mills is probably coined it best by saying, you know, barbecue is a culture. It's it's not a concept. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's very true. I think that the the culture itself has subcultures. Um, I think competitive barbecue is different than commercial barbecue. Yeah. Is different than backyard barbecue. 
Um, what people consider barbecue ranges considerably from from person to person, culture to culture, yep. uh, continent to continent. But to me, um, it's the last, for me, it's a tether to the people who came before me and a different type of, of individual. It reminds me, when I think back, and I think back to my grandfather, I think back to his father, who was a barber. Okay. Uh, owned a barbershop in Collinsville, Illinois. There was much more artisanship. There was much more hands-on creation of production of most things. Mm -hmm. And this, to me, is an extension of that artisanship that I really don't think should be messed with. Um, in our case, we are who we are, and I do my best to stay true to both uh, principle, methodology, operations, um, so that we can sort of bring the past along with us. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like, to me, barbecue is, is a historical timeline, in a way, right? And that it takes us all the way back to a time, takes us back further than um, we, our collective memories, our communal memories, mm -hmm. are of a time when not only was life simpler, um, but our needs were simpler and our desires were simpler. And while man has never gotten along completely with each other, mm -hmm. It was a much more harmonious time, right? Right, because in and around this fire, in and around this meal, we shared we shared the gift of life. Because without these things, these components that make this meal possible—air, fire, food—all of these things made our lives possible, uh, made them comfortable made them worthwhile yeah. and we're we don't we're missing so many of these of these baseline components that we all share the similarities of of and root of all of our lives we're all sort of we don't see the connection but when you come in to eat mm -hmm. you see every walk of life you see Men, women, elderly, youth, professional, blue collar, you see you see it all. Mm -hmm. And they all come for the same purpose. Yep. And they're all sharing the same ideal. And they're all sharing the same larger meal together. Right. And there's a lot of harmony that goes on inside of that place at that time. Mm -hmm. It's like, everybody check your guns at the door. Yep. We're going to break bread. We're going to have, we're going to hang out. We're going to get to know each other a little bit. While you're standing in line, you're going to find out where your neighbor came from. Right. Yep. You're going to help them along if they've never been here before and you have. Mm -hmm. You're going to share ideas or where, where you've learned about this and what it is that interests you about where you are and what drove you there. You're going to find take time to actually interact with people in a way that people just don't interact anymore. That's right. Right? It's the People bitch. It's so funny. People will complain about a weight. Mm -hmm. Yet they don't realize how enriched they are through the weight. Mm -hmm. 
and we try to push people through as quickly as possible. But for me, you're, if you're coming in, then barbecue then for me becomes this great mass gathering. Right. We're all uh, we're all singing the same note at the same time, and it's something that seems so rare in today's world. It's an it's it's everybody can just become unified mm-hmm. and, and it's around something utilitarian some see it as utilitarian some see it as as delicacy some see it as novelty everybody has their their own their own perspective on it yep. but they all come in and i think for the most part they have the same sort of experience so maybe i'm a cure maybe i see myself as a curator yeah you know, yeah. a, a histor- a, 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 like like a museum curator in a way, mm-hmm. in that I'm trying to give them an experience that their grandfather could have had. Right. And oftentimes we'll come in and say, I did have that experience. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just the way I remember it. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't been in in 40 years, but walking into this place, it was like I was just here yesterday. Yeah. And me, it was just like I remember it. I mean, I, you can't pay me a bigger compliment than that because... I've, I've not only have I met their expectations on on a meal, but I've met their expectations for an experience. Right, a and, memory, man. Right, a memory that was good, mm-hmm. that was sound, that mm-hmm. was strong, that helped them. You know, that it, they can anchor to that yep. because the world outside is too just too asinine and crazy. Yep. Right. This is is a grounding. Mm-hmm. So, um, I see barbecue is just the medium by which I interact with people. Yep. Right. It's it's what brings us together. Uh, so what does it mean to me? I, it means community. Yeah. It means yep. community. Yep. Yeah. It means love for your neighbor. Right. That's, uh, that's as good an answer as I could hope for. Right on. That's um, true. Yeah. Uh, talking about the restaurant a little, uh, talk about the pits, uh, that you're cooking on there. Yeah. We were cooking, you know, back in the day, Everybody, every place had its own pit configuration because mm-hmm. the chances are the proprietor made it sure, or knew exactly. somebody who made it, yeah. right? And there was no general blueprints. There was no internet. Nobody could just, you know, nobody thought about making propane tanks yeah. into, into, into barbecue pits. Yep. Besides, you know, uh, metal work was a little more difficult to come by than masonry mm. work. So yep. the, a lot of those early pits were all brick, Yep. right? And they made the exhaust sort of like chimneys so you could get big flow of air through there. Um, strong draws, mm-hmm. easy draws. Um, offset cooking was, is something that we utilize. Um, our horizontal run is about 18 feet long plus, plus internal fire firebox. Yep. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a long run. And we, we literally cook by convected air. Mm-hmm. We don't, Propane tanks, which have become very much the, I, I would say, the de facto methodology for most Texas-style barbecue establishments yeah. now, mm-hmm. um, made famous by Aaron Franklin yep. in his conversion of, of a thousand-gallon propane tanks. Mm-hmm. Easy, economical, um, low barrier to entry, right? You can do this at home. Anybody right. with a little time and patience can 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 make that out. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. Those cook very evenly, so usually front to back. They cook more like an oven than they do a convection oven. Yeah. 
So what we do is we literally rely heavily in an all brick environment on the heated air passing through the system in order to cook the meat. Right. Not a whole lot of steel to, to attract and absorb the radiant heat and then radiate that heat back into the system. Yeah. Right. Um, that doesn't really occur. So what makes our process so different is is that convection flow, but it's it's unidirectional, mm-hmm. which means it's all coming from the <laughs> firebox and we have then hot zones based on you know radiation degradation sure. uh, from from source. Yep. Correct? So that means we have to shuffle and move things, pulsate back and forth, right. side to side, um, because there are hot and cold spots, literal hot and cold spots on the pit. Those pits, uh, so what we do is, is the prototype to what is happening today mm-hmm. in, the, in other offsets. Um, but I would say that they have made the process a lot easier. Sure. Turning to all steel um, and wrapping you know, two thirds of the way through the process, rather than as as we were doing, um, we started wrapping. We we had to be the first people I know of that were wrapping back in the '40s, right? As because the meat was going back on the pit, mm-hmm. and the butcher paper was a waxed butcher paper. Okay, uh, it would somewhat seal, keeping in water vapor, but it it would also it was it was meant to, so that the air blowing across the surface of the meat didn't over dry the meat. Right. Right. Today that paper is used as a heat retention mm-hmm. to help break the connective tissue uh, down quicker yep. than you would if you were cooking naked without destroying the bark. Right. So it's it's in some ways it's, it's no different than the old Texas crutch. Yeah, the foil. You know, with foil. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's it's just that uh, the water and and rendered fat doesn't just get absorbed into the paper or, or leak out. It all sits in the bottom, mm-hmm. which is what Snow's barbecue does. Yep. You know, so there, there's their methodology and their, and their process goes way back to their form of wrapping mm-hmm. and their form of cooking. Um, ours has always been part of the resting process. And in today's world, you know, resting wouldn't be a thing. Yeah. If, 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 it wasn't shown to them. Yeah. How how big a difference we can we can perform. Oh yeah. And uh, just from a couple of hours of chill time. Just letting it right? sit. Yeah, absolutely. Just letting it sit, and it's been one of those beautiful things. I would tell people. I remember shortly after my father died, and I was talking about resting, and people are like, "I don't, you know, what are you talking about resting?" And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's like a steak. You don't pull mm-hmm. a steak right out of a a high high temp broiler and throw it on a plate and serve it. it there's got to be a four or five minute resting period before it's, it's sent out. It, it has to sort of be allowed to not only it's tight and contracted when it's hot, mm-hmm. but as it cools, it, the muscle mass will start to release. It will yep. start to uh, not be as tense. And therefore it opens up. You have some moisture that's reabsorbed. Um, but it becomes less tense and therefore mm-hmm. less tough. Yep. And well, it just so happens that if you can carry that internal heat and brisket, it's not just a matter of letting things just chill. It's really a matter of, of allowing that internal heat engine to break down more of that connective tissue yep. as it's being held, but at a decreasing rate, mm-hmm. right? So over two to four hour period, depending on how you're holding it and where you're holding it, 
you know, you then come into a zone that it's like, you know, where did this come from? Where it's, it's most people that I grew up barbecue beef barbecue that I had outside of Texas when I was younger mm -hmm. was all served the same way. The, the point itself was separated into the, the upper and lower pectoral muscles. The right. flat was separated from the point. The interconnective tissue was removed from the center. The, the cover fat was removed. So all you had left really was just protein. And then right. it was cut out and sauced up and, and served and, or chopped up and put in a bun. Right? Yep. And, and that's what most people thought of when they thought of brisket. Mm -hmm. In Texas, um, because of what happened in central Texas in particular, in, in the methodologies of people resting, some mm -hmm. people wrapping, people just cooking it slower. You know, you can start to carve a brisket out like you would carve, you know, a prime rib. Yep. And it's not beat to shit and it's not dried out. And yep. it's, you know, it's something that's wholly different because you're still including a lot of the fat and the bark. Yep. Um, things that weren't happening in, say, the Midwest or the South. Uh, and people were like, Whoa, what is this? You know, yep. uh, this is new. Yep. This is absolutely new. Yep. It's like, you know, I, for us, not so much for you. Absolutely. Yep. But I guess, you know, I, there was, I guess, there was two, there was two cabals, I guess, at that time who, who, who had extensive work with, with brisket. One was, one was the Jewish cabal mm -hmm. and they had pastrami yep. and they did their thing with brisket and, and their Seder meals and Texans who took brisket and cooked also taking just for a completely different reason, but everything still depended on, we're going to use slow, long processes mm -hmm. to break these, these tissues down so that we can actually serve them in a way that's different than most people would. And yeah. in both cases, <clears throat> you know, they hit home runs. Yeah. Magic. A little bit of magic. magic. Yep. For sure. You, uh, you, you talked to, you mentioned snows there a few minutes ago, uh, kind of that whole area you're in, uh, I guess around Austin, Austin's obviously a bit of a hot spot, but, uh, uh, you got snows, uh, Brett and, uh, I can't even think of where he is now. Brett's backyard and he's at, yeah, he's out in Rockdale, Rockdale. Yeah. And then, yeah, you've got kind of a bit of a, you know, you talk about the barbecue crawl. There's certainly, uh, no shortage of spots around there. No, and it's you know it's only been in the last ten years, mm -hmm. seven to ten years that Austin has is revitalized their barbecue mm -hmm. uh, persona. Yep, but there wasn't a whole lot left there. Right, say back turn of the century, early two thousand. Yeah, I mean my brother had found his way there, you know, for shortly yep. before Aaron. But there there were a lot of older establishments that had been around a long time yep. that, you know, that they weren't, nobody was getting rich. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And they found a way to sort of make it work. Um, they had their base clientele and, you know, they could service that. And that was about it. Yeah. That's about all that happened. They served their neighborhoods. Yep. Is really what it come down to. And, but none really could reach beyond their neighborhoods. It wasn't, people weren't driving all over the city yeah. just to come eat at their place. Now you have people that travel not only across the city, but across the state, yep. country, across the world, just to go try these places. Yep. It's un I really wonder what my father would have thought about all of this, yeah. because he died right at the cusp. Mm -hmm. He died 
shortly after the 2008 Texas Monthly Edition, yep. when Snows was was the first number one, right? You know, straight up number one chosen by the magazine, mm-hmm. and people used that as a travel guide. Right. That yep. issue, they kept them in their glove box for mm-hmm. a year, and they were going around to all these places. The amount of people that came in was, I, we went from, say a. A, a Saturday where at any given time you maybe have say 30 or 40 people in line mm-hmm. to a typical Saturday having 150 to 200 people in line. Yeah. And that would hold in line for like six hours. It, we hadn't seen anything like that before. Yeah. You know, uh, my biggest hurdle when I, when my father took over was trying to find a way to cook more barbecue right. with the limited space that we had because mm-hmm. selling out at one o'clock or two o'clock, didn't make a whole lot of sense when people were traveling further and further and further far and were becoming quite upset when they got there and you're sold out of food. Yep. It's like, you know, I, I, yep. I, moose out front should have told you, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> parks closed. Yeah. You know? It's just, people don't like to hear that. And I don't like to turn people away. Right. So mm-hmm. finding a way to leverage how much we cook double, being able to double our, our production was, I think key and allowing us to stay open later and later so that we could literally have, you know, these experiences with more and more people and, and do our best to, to meet our obligations to our, our guests who travel so incredibly far. Yeah. Um, that was, that was an enormous hurdle to overcome to begin with. And the hurdles keep coming because the climate keeps changing. And now that they keep changing the rules of the game every year, yeah. uh, Last year was bad enough just to be locked down. Now we're going to take away your electricity and your water. And we're gonna, you know, it's like it's like ja- it's it's like the Japanese manufacturing process. Yeah. Once they, once they get it down, we're going to pull 10 percent of your resources. Now do it That's again. Right. Keep uh, you know? keep keep the same productivity, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just reduce the cost. Mm-hmm. It, but it's um, it's been a really crazy, weird, wonderful ride. Yep. And. I'm so thankful to everybody who's been, who's shown interest in what we do, mm-hmm. um, who's come to visit us and have an experience with us, um, to individuals like yourself who want to just sit down and have a conversation. Oh, love it. Yeah. Uh, um, and just share what we know with, with others, because one thing I do know, um, people ask me, who's going to take over when, when I'm done? Yeah, and that I have was a daughter, it. but she, you know. She has different aspirations, God sure. bless her, yep. you know, but the question is real. Mm-hmm. Who, who does? Well, I, by talking to as many people as possible, by training people, by sharing, the hope is that this becomes more communally spread so that the tradition itself doesn't die. Right. Right. So that it spreads out just beyond just. Uh, what's possible from one location or from one family or from one individual, mm-hmm. right? That it literally, maybe you have a lot of inspiration coming from a similar source, just as you would a church, mm-hmm. right? But, but these inspirations, these, these individuals go out and do their things. And some, you hope that maybe they can carry some of this tradition on. And for me, I think right now that's, that's the best I can hope for mm-hmm. because um, even if my daughter did come back, she would still be a single voice. And, um, there's only so much, there's only so loud, unless you're Elon Musk, there's yeah. only so loud and so many people are going to yep. listen that you, yep. you can bark, right? So um, 
I told her she can figure out a way to get barbecue to Mars, then, you know, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. um, sign me up now. And uh, once you get out of engineering school, we'll, we'll make it happen. Yeah. Well, so I'll, I'll make it happen. Yeah. So it's um, I, I hope I hope it continues. But like I said at the very beginning, I think all all things like this will eventually run their course. Mm-hmm. And I think fire, natural fire cooking is one of those things. I mean, we we worked really hard uh, coming out of the Industrial Revolution to try to bring our kitchens and make them more sanitary, sure. make, make our space more sanitary and, and health conscious. So we're not just ingesting, you know, carcinogens all yeah. day, right? And getting black lung from mm-hmm. just our, from cooking cooking meals. Um, so we, we progressed quite a bit to develop electrical and gas-driven thermostats mm-hmm. that we could, you know, use utilize an oven in this contained environment. Um, but it's I think it shows that there's there's this yearning, this this human spirit yeah. that says I I still have to go back to first principles, no matter how far I get and how far I advance. There's something about the need to know my my roots, where yeah. I came from. Yeah. That I don't know. No, oh, there is. There's something primal or primitive in cooking with fire, right? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yep. And and you learn that fire. You spend enough time with fire, and first off, if you don't approach it with the right level of respect, mm-hmm. as as gods typically do. They get angry, mm-hmm. um, and they'll strike you down. Yep, that's the first thing. But finding a way to to live and work with fire in a way that addresses the fire's needs, mm-hmm. so that it addresses your needs, um, you become a, a bit symbiotic with with that source. Yep, and um, it's when you're there. It's when you're in that space. It's when you find that harmony that good things happen, both mm-hmm. internally and externally. Yep. Um, it's there is a zenness to barbecue. It just as there's a zenness to sushi. Yep. I, I truly believe that because both take a long time to master. Both you spend a lot of time in yourself and cutting corners and not performing every task as it should be mm-hmm. shows up in the end product. It's yep. cumulative, yep. right? And so you can't. If you sell yourself short, it's like selling yourself short in life. Yeah. So it's there is there is a process, mm-hmm. and um, that structure is good for people. Yep, for absolutely. People. So I, I heard you say I would have been on another podcast, some about uh, spreading the the gospel of of barbecue or smoked meat, and That's you, right. you you've been able to do that kind of really around the world right uh europe australia uh about this time last year i spoke with scott schaefer from uh paws up and you've been up uh not too far from me here uh, just south in montana and uh as a kid maybe kind of growing up in the restaurant could you ever have imagined what that has become for you no no no, no not at all and and there's no way my father would have understood it either. Mm-hmm. And he was still trying to get his head, wrap his head around the fact that people wanted him to sign books that yeah. he would appear in. Right. He's like, I don't know why they want my signature. I don't have any money in the bank account. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
it's like, yeah, dad, I know, but you, TV has now made you a celebrity. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't want to be a celebrity. I'm like, yeah, I know. But you know, I kind of want you to be a celebrity because you're transitioning from, from, from one thing to another. You're transitioning from an operational head to more of a, a, a branding presence. Right. And I would, I need you to sort of go that way, Mm -hmm. but he couldn't understand it. He goes, you know, I've been doing this for 34 years. Nobody gave a shit. Yeah. Nobody cared. Yeah. I mean, I knew Joe when he came in. I knew what he was going to order when he yeah. reached the door. So that by the time he got it to the counter, I had half of it ready for him. And he just loved the fact that I knew him sure. and that I knew his order and that he could bring people in mm-hmm. and he could feed, you know, impress people with the food that they were going to they were going to uh, uh, consume. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was it was a, a feel good because I he goes, but none of this other stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't know. And for me. Um, growing up, no, mm-hmm. I would say there's no, I had no idea that this was even a thing, yeah. it would even be a thing. But when I was in graduate school, I, I, I started my, my tenure in professional sports and mm-hmm. I worked about 10 years in different areas of professional sports, mostly right. in, in, um, sponsorship development, um, uh, pricing algorithms, and inventory management. Right. But when I decided to come back, when my father asked me to come back, it was by that age, Mm -hmm. I could see. Yeah. Okay. Now we had just, uh, we had just shot the first, uh, a, um, a pilot show for diners, drive-ins and dives. Right. So we were in their pilot season. Okay. And, I began watching a bit Food Network and going, mm, this place has all the makings of the exact same thing that they're talking about now. Yeah. Once they've gone through the iteration of chefs teaching people how to cook certain dishes, now it's more about we want to know where to go, mm-hmm. eat some of these dishes or eat different kinds of dishes, regional dishes, national dishes, local dishes that we just don't know about at all. Mm-hmm. And this sort of fit that. And yeah. As, as the hipster craftsmanship era rolled right behind that, then it was, I, I knew mm-hmm. this could be something completely different, something completely different than what we grew up with. Yeah. And it, but I had no idea it was going to have a 10 year run the way it had. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know of any faddish, either fashion or cuisine that, last more than say two years and that's to get out to the outreaches of of you know middle america sure, yep. always about a year to two years behind yep right so give it that full 18 months two years and it's you know cupcakes have run their course mm-hmm. right it's but you didn't see that with this yeah it's held on it's just this rise and once it right and once it pressed the domestic borders it just kept going yep it just kept going yep I, i've never seen anything I'd never seen anything like this mm-hmm. ever. Um, it struck a chord with everyone. And I think fire had a lot to do with it. Yep. I think beef had a lot to do with it. Um, and I think there was a mystique. People wanted to put robes on us, mm-hmm. right? As if we were some grand priest or we were the shaman outside of town, right? Working magic right. and, you know, doing our, you know, monthly ayahuasca trip, you know? <laughs> Yeah, 
Take it to the ancestors. That's right. And they're telling us what to do. Mm-hmm. There was, but that mystique was there because people just couldn't pull it off at home. They didn't yeah. have the right equipment. They didn't have the right understanding. And so it was, it was a weird time. It was truly the golden age of, of barbecue. It lasted about five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was, it pulled us into the mainstream. Yeah. It was, it was uh, to be a part of all of that. And the places that it that afforded me, the mm-hmm. places it invited me, um, I could have never imagined in my wildest dreams that I would travel the world because people want to hear about barbecue. Yeah, it just it it never even crossed my mind. I had a better chance working in the NBA, yep. right? And um, I thought sports would be my way to see the world. Right. It was. It actually turned out to be, you know, something I grew up in. Oh, that's awesome. I had no idea. Yep. We'll have to we'll have to find a way to get you up here one of these days. So Absolutely. P- piggy piggyback on one of those Montana trips and get you up here to Yep. And right now, let's see. I am definitely if it looks like right now I'm I'm still I'm contracted to, to go back in May. Yep. For their uh Real Master series. Right. Um and Scott Schaefer, mm-hmm. just a wonderful man. Yep. Um you know, I think he's already ready to, to sign me up for 2022. Yep. So it's like, Scott, you keep throwing the contracts my way and I'll yeah, keep signing. You're coming, yeah. I love it up there. Yeah. It's a, I've just, I've seen the, the pictures and stuff it. and uh, quite an amazing spot. So, yeah. It's really beautiful. What do you hope your legacy is, Wayne? <sighs> I think what my legacy w- will probably be just because of of popularity will probably be plate beef ribs mm-hmm. um, we were doing chuck ribs before that we did plate ribs in a completely different way um, they were more like you know Korean style okay. ribs with yep. very small cap on the top and there was the um, the plate was sawed in into three sections. And so it was, it was like this band of, of small bones, mm-hmm. with little meat crackers, yep. wafers sitting on top. Um, in 2010, right after Aaron sort of went, you know, to the stratosphere with his brisket. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew our brisket was good, but I, I also knew that he had the, the full, thrust of the media behind him you're not going to that's a mechanical rabbit you're not going to mm-hmm. catch yeah. no matter how fast you are as a greyhound mm-hmm. so your best method then is to develop something that is equally good or better that is your own mm-hmm. that is also uniquely texas and and bovine driven mm-hmm. so um i focused moved us out of chuck moved us into plate uh, we adjusted the uh, process a bit and in five years, by by 2015, um, I was in London receiving an award for not only the best barbecue dish in the world, but the tastiest dish in wow. the world for, the, for the beef ribs. So I think what we're known for now is those beef ribs. Yep. So I mean, if there's if there's a physical legacy, I would say that's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. My personal hope is that my legacy is one of more of a teacher. Yep is somebody who's opened up my kitchen 
opened up my understanding, my my knowledge, uh, my experience to people, and have shared this with them mm-hmm. uh, to help them through their problems, help them on their travels, through their travails, uh, to help them to develop the skills that they hope to develop, so that they can do things at a level that they're that they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that I'm seen more in that light than yeah. I am in any other light. That people see me as somebody who cared about the industry, cared about our our Central Texas tradition, and did what he could to try to keep that alive. Yeah. Is there a, maybe a Louis Mueller barbecue book uh, somewhere in the future? You know, I've been approached a number of times about mm. a book. Yeah, all the, you know, Sam, the Sam's book. Jones, Rodney Scott's got his coming yeah, out. Yeah. Everybody's got their books. <laughs> and, you know, they're all... The book that publishers want me to produce is a book that is more recipe-driven. Mm. It's not the book that I really want to write, though. The right. book that I really want to write has more to do with the history. Yeah. The history of not only who we are, but our, our place in... in this universe, mm-hmm. right? And this barbecue universe, that's a much bigger thing. And, yep. and, it, and it all collapses again, back down to the sun or to that central fire. Yep. And the book that I really want to write is, is one that talks about just the ingenuity of man. Mm-hmm. And no matter where we go on the globe, we take fire with us. We take, we learn how to utilize the resources of the area that we're in. Yep. We, we manage, uh, the f- flora and fauna to our advantage mm-hmm. and we find ways uh, to come together and usually it's in a peaceful way around food yeah it's around food and and, and I, it, I don't admit this often at all I'm not I'm not a foodie I love good food mm-hmm. I absolutely do but I don't it is not the all-consuming uh, intent purpose drive of my life mm-hmm. I have a host of interests outside of what I do, but for what it is that I do, um, I take it very seriously and it's very important to me. Yeah. And I'm very singular minded in that, in that regard. So I, I hope with all my might that people will realize, come see me, mm-hmm. come talk to me, yep. come share a meal with me. Uh, let's, let's break bread and, you know, throw a few rib bones at each other and, yep. and tell a few tales and, and share, share a bit of our lives mm-hmm. and, and go away a bit more enriched. Yep. Me and you. Absolutely. You know, yep. that's, that's what I'm really hoping for. Well, and I'm, I'm hoping to get down there uh, once this whole COVID thing is done and, uh, and do that, do that exact thing with you. So. Amen. Well, the fires are always on, man. Absolutely. You always have a place. Yep. Uh, really quick, tell folks where they can find you. Obviously, Taylor, Texas, but uh, online, social media. Sure. You can find us at um, our website is texasbbq.com. You can also be redirected from louismillerbarbecue.com. Our Facebook is Louis Miller Barbecue. Our Twitter is uh, Louis Miller BBQ, mm-hmm. as, as is our Instagram. Yep. So check us out hasn't been very active lately as we've been trying to rebrand relaunch our, our website so we can do online ordering right you've got that going now yeah. our, our our national shipping mm-hmm. um presence we can be a bit more i think 
uh, informative on our own website, be a little less uh, dependent on social media as squirrely as it's been of late. Yep. You never know when me or some comment was, is going to be raised. <laughs> and before you know, we're no longer, Get you shut down. No longer on air. <laughs> right. And, and so we're, we're really trying to push a redevelopment mm. of our, of our own site and push people there. And then from there, if they want to go check out our ancillary social media, right. so please do so. Yeah. Um, but I would, I would say if you have a chance to come visit us in central Texas, please do so. Um, we want to make that an experience that mm. you won't ever forget. And you are doing the online ordering now. Is it through Goldbelly, I think? Yeah, so you, yeah. It's, it is through Goldbelly if you want to have it automated mm. online and pay for it all at once. You yep. can also call us, um, call our offices. Okay. And some people in state will call us because it's a little less expensive. Oh, okay. And we can, you know, we can turn things around sometimes a little quicker or be a, a bit more uh, tailored right. in, in how we deliver food to you, mm. or portion sizes, things like that. Right. That And that calling our office number is uh, 512-365-1700. All right. And so call us, stop by. We can't wait to serve you. Awesome. Last thing I ask everybody, Wayne, uh, you're, you're at home. You're maybe firing up the grill at home. What's uh, What's the go-to for you? You know, I had this conversation about three years ago. I was doing a morning show mm-hmm. um, on on a sports radio network, and one of the hosts asked, "So, what kind of what, what kind of grill? What kind of what kind of smoking equipment do you have at home?" And I said, "You know, right now all I have at home is a George Foreman grill, <laughs> and so my go-to." Is a George Foreman grill. There you go. Um, I spend, you know, 14 hours a day smoking meats. Yep. The last thing I do when I get home or yeah. want to do on weekends yeah. is smoke meat. Yeah. So I, I still love beef. I'm still a meat and potatoes guy. Yep. Uh, so the less mess, the better for me. Yep. George Foreman answers the bell. There you go. I, I, I will say uh, I'm not afraid and we're ashamed to say that. <laughs> right on. Right on, Wayne. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. This has really been a pleasure for me uh, uh, getting to chat with you here, and uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Ryan, thank you so much for, for the invitation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anytime that you come this way, please look me up, let me know. Um, the light's always on hey, for you, my friend. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you so much to Wayne Mueller for joining me. It was an absolute honor. It's the first week of March, and that means it's time for the Alberta Podcast Network Member Spotlight. This month, Josh joins me to talk about Press Start to Join. Okay, everybody, it is the first week of the month, and that means it's time for our Alberta Podcast Network Spotlight. And uh, really excited to be uh, joined by one of the hosts of Press Start to Join. I've got Josh here today. Josh, how are you doing? Thank you for joining me here. I'm good. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. I yeah. like it. Awesome. So you and your co-host Alan host uh, Press Start to Join. Uh, talk about the show a little bit. What's uh, what's it all about? Well, uh, it's called Press Start to Join because we initially wanted uh, a lot of feedback, and we we get uh, some comments back and forth, and we have our Discord channel so we can 
talk with our we we don't have fans. We have a family. Okay, nice. So we talk to our family on Discord and we set up games and sometimes play games with them. All right. And the show over the years, because it's been like six or seven years now. Oh, so you've been at it a while then. Yeah, the last episode we did was 322. I should know this. I just <laughs> did the notes. 331 wow. we just did. Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot. <laughs> but it's easy to keep up with uh, the numbers when we're doing topical stuff. Yeah, and it's so, some, something you enjoy, obviously, right? Yeah. Alan is more into uh, the the nitty gritty tech stuff, so okay. he gets all the Apple updates, and that just goes over my head because I'm an Android person. Yeah, okay. So whenever whenever I whenever I have Android stuff I can talk about, I'll bring it up. Right. Uh, Alan's really good at bringing up free video games because if you have PlayStation Plus, Xbox uh, Live, or uh, an Epic Game Store. Uh, on your computer, we tell you what games are free and where to get them. Nice. And I've started doing uh, this week in gaming history where I go through the last days of the week, last few days of the week. Sure. And uh, say what games came out. No, oh, nice. And we've uncovered some really strange ones. Like, are you familiar with Dance Dance Revolution? Uh, a little bit, yep. Well, some... Uh, Burning Man people uh, made Dance Dance Immolation. Uh, it's a modified DDR where they dance in a flame-proof suit and they uh, get hit with fire if they miss. Well, that's... So uh... We cover really interesting things like that yep. when we ever, whenever we discover it. And uh, we've just only grown since we've joined the Alberta Podcast Network. And with their support, we actually snagged the Outstanding Technology Podcast for 2020 from the Canadian Podcast Awards. That's right. We had uh, the network was fortunate enough to have a, a few winners uh, at those awards oh, yeah. last year. So that's great. Congratulations on that. So thank you. It was persistence. Yes. Yeah. 300 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so just real quick uh, for folks that hadn't figured it out from the name uh, of the show, Press Start to Join, it is primarily a gaming podcast, correct? Yeah, and technology. Yeah. That's our two favorite things. <laughs> awesome. And when can uh, when do you do the show? Is it weekly, monthly? It's weekly. We post every Friday, and uh, you can get that on any podcatcher. And even on our website, psjshow.com, where we have all our show notes. And all our links are found at psjshow.com. Awesome. And uh, so in a regular week-to-week -week episode what can folks expect to be hearing about every episode even if it's just one we'll have a free game it's the beginning of the month has a huge list yep. uh, alan just covered it on our last episode and then we have uh usually like big security updates and what facebook's trying to steal from you now right and then my this week in gaming history awesome that's great um so you, you kind of touched on it. What has being part of the podcast network uh, meant for you guys? It's uh, just been so great to get to meet local podcasters like yourself. And, yeah. Uh, when we get to, when we can start seeing people again. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. That'll be nice one. Have it? more APN meetups. Yeah. And you're up in Edmonton, correct? Yes. I yeah. That sounds like you're not. I'm in Calgary. 
Well, Alan and I were fortunate that about a year before the pandemic, we went completely remote with our recording setup. As nice. you can see, yep. it's all set up. Uh, and so this has literally not stopped our show. That's good. Yeah, I've... Uh... Before the uh, before the pandemic, I was doing the majority of mine face to face, so I've uh, had to become quite a used to getting used to doing it over Zoom and stuff. So yeah, I had done I a few uh, I had done a few over Skype with people that weren't uh, weren't here. Mine's always an interview type thing, so I'm bringing in a guest yeah. every episode. So uh, yeah, it's been uh, been a learning experience, that's for sure. So yeah, like uh, we used to have. People come by. We had a few game developers and uh, cosplayers from the area. Mm-hmm. So, miss it. Yeah, yeah. It'd be uh, nice to get back to back to normal. I'm uh, anxious to sit down and do an interview with somebody again. It's been a while, been too long for sure. So, yeah, there's an energy we miss using yeah. screens. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. All right, uh, Josh. Thanks so much for doing this. Give the folks real quick again where where and when to find the show. It is press start to join. We are ps2jshow.com and we are at ps2jshow on all social media platforms that matter. And then it's every Friday. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate this. Uh, Everybody check it out uh, and com for links to press start to join and all the other great shows. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. Thank you so much. Big, big thank you to Wayne Mueller from Louie Mueller Barbecue in Taylor, Texas, and also Josh from Press Start to Join for joining me on the show this week. Some of the COVID lockdown restrictions here in Alberta have been eased up a little, and restaurants are now allowed to offer limited seating for dine-in. Wherever you are, keep your eyes open to see what your local barbecue joints are doing, and whether you're here in Alberta or elsewhere, get out there and support them in whatever way you're comfortable and able, and whatever you're doing, wherever you're going. Stay safe and wear your masks. That's a wrap, everybody. See you all next week. Hey, friends. Thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe to the show, and I'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. You can find me online at eatmorebarbecue.ca and also at albertabbqtrail.ca. Check out the listing of joints on the Barbecue Trail site and show them your support. If you're not in Alberta, get out and show your local barbecue joints some love. Give me a follow on Twitter at Eat More Barbecue and on Facebook and Instagram at Eat underscore More underscore Barbecue. If you have any questions or guest suggestions, my email is eatmorebarbecue at gmail.com. Thanks to Alan Horbin for the great music on this and every episode of the Eat More Barbecue podcast. This podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported, and is a production of Eat More Barbecue Digital Media. Till next time, folks, keep on smoking. <laughs>